Zion Adar, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday and your site in the, if, in the uh, first Adar. So uh, we should dedicate the class to Moshe Rabbeinu a little bit, or not just a little bit, more than a little bit. Tonight is um, my, uh, an uncle's yard site passed away in Zion Adar just two years ago. Um, so my father dedicated the class to his brother, Eliezer Yehuda ben uh, Rebruvain. May his neshama have a very great aliyah. May this be to his chus of his neshama. On the 8th of Adar is my mother's father's yard site. So uh, we'll keep it all in the family today. Uh, may my, this should be a aliyah's neshama for my grandfather. Um, Reb David Yehuda Ben Rebuxil Pinchas. May his neshama have a great aliyah. Okay. Um, and only, only much bracha to, uh, to my father, my family, and all, all, all those who need a big bracha. Okay. And we all can use a blessing. The CD this week was sponsored by Zalman and Esther Roth. This is in honor of Mrs. Esther Roth's father's yurtzeit on Hey Adar was uh, on Sunday. May his neshama have a very, very, very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. And may he channel lots and lots and lots of brachas to you and to your family for all that you need and all that you want. So this week is Parshas Tetzaveh. And as I mentioned, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, Yardzeit. So um, let's try to find the the Moshe Rabbeinu, which is obvious in Parshas Ata Tetzave, Moshe Rabbeinu is very obvious. So here is what we're going to see. The Parsha opens up a continuation to last week's. In last week's Parsha, we learned about making of the tabernacle, making of the Mishkan, making of the first home for Hashem. Um, and we learned partially of part of the construction of the Mishkan. It doesn't cover everything in Terumah, most of it is of the actual structure and of the vessels of the Mishkan, both the actual building and the inside vessels like the ark and the and the table for the for the for the for the shulchan for the for the showbreads and 
and uh, the menorah and all that. It's already last week's in the parsha. This week's parsha opens up with making of the pure olive oil for the menorah. So we're continuing the menorah, but this time we're talking about th- um, the production of the pure olive oil that was needed for the menorah. And then we speak about the priestly garments. The big day kahuna, the priestly garments that we make for our own and for his sons. And uh, that's what most of the parasha talks about. And then in the end it talks about the inauguration period called Shivas Yamehamaluyam. What is going to be the offici- how are they supposed to officiate in the Beis Amigdash, in the temple, during the time when there are f- seven days of inauguration? They're filling the Mishkan, making the Mishkan, making the tabernacle holy, and making the Kohanim holy. So there was a certain order of sacrifices that were done with Aaron, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, and his children. And finally, the end of Parshas Tetzave talks about making of one utensil that was not mentioned earlier. Actually, there's two utensils that are not mentioned in Parshas Truma. But one of them is mentioned in Parshas Tetzave, and one of them in Parshas Kisisa next week. The one that's spoken about in Parshas Tetzave is the small altar, the small Mizbeach. There is a large Mizbeach that's in the courtyard, and that's the one that they offered. It's called Mizbeach Anachoshes, the copper, the bronze Mizbeach. That was the one that they used to offer all the sacrifices. It's in the courtyard. Then there was another altar, the gold one. And this was inside the tabernacle itself, and this was used for... Uh, the bringing of ketores, the spices, the good fragrance that was brought every day, half in the morning, half in the evening. Uh, when they lit the menorah, they also brought up this um, incense. The, the, they burnt the ketores. Okay. That's a synopsis on Parshas Tetzave. So right at the beginning of Parshas Tetzave, when it starts, it says, you should command the Jewish people. Uh, they should take to you Shem and Zayizoch pure olive oil. They should bring it to Moshe. And then in the next, and for what purpose? So that they can bring up the constant lamp, the mitzvah to light a menorah constantly every night. In order for making the menorah burn, we need to have olive oil. So get the people to donate and bring to you the pure olive oil so you can light the menorah all the time. And then it goes on to say where the menorah is lit. That the menorah is lit outside. Who, who should do it? Where the, I'm sorry. It's outside of the Holy of Holies, in the, in, the, in, the, in the regular sanctuary. I shouldn't say regular. There's nothing regular about a temple. It's extraordinary. But in the sanctuary and not in the Holy of Holies, which is the inner, inner sanctuary. And it should be lit every evening. And who should light it? Aaron should light it. The question over here is as follows. If Aaron is going to be the one who is going, and I think this is the first open indication in the Torah that Aaron is going to be the Kohen. Till now we don't know that. It says, make for me a Mishkan. It doesn't say who's going, to be, who's going to officiate. But over here, it says in the Torah specifically that Aaron is the one who's going to do it. Um, Aaron is actually mentioned in Parshas Bishalach few weeks ago regarding the working in the temple because it says over there that Hashem told Moshe to tell Aaron to take one jar of mun 
the manna that fell and put it in the oil in the in the holy of holies. Why is that job for Aaron? Because he's the one who goes in there. He's, he's the priest. But that's not really a mention because that's you can't really consider that because that could have been even though it says it earlier in Pasha's Bishalach, but it could have been. I think Rashi actually says that this was done at the end of the forty years in the Midbar. So it was done at a later time. I don't know if it was just in the end of the 40 years, but once the Mishkan was standing, because in Parshish B'Shalach there is no, there's no Mishkan yet. So the Torah is just mentioning something, since we're talking about the Mon, so it's mentioning a story that happened later. But the first place where we actually have reference that Aaron is going to be the Kohen, and that the family of priests are going to be the family of Aaron, is mentioned over here in Parshish Tetzav. But the question over here is as follows. If Aaron is the one who's kindling the menorah, then if the Jewish people are bringing the oil, they should bring it to Aaron. Why does it say they should bring the oil to Moshe? They should bring to you pure olive oil. That's question number one. And question number two, what's the purpose they should bring the olive oil to Moshe? So the Pasuk says, Lahalos ner tamid so that we can bring up a constant lamp. In that very next verse, when it instructs the specifics of lighting the menorah, it says that Aaron should light the menorah when? Me'erev ad boker, from evening until the morning. That means the lighting of the menorah didn't really happen, didn't happen by day. Lighting of the menorah, according to most opinions, <laughs> there's always opinions in the Torah. Right? According to most opinions, however, the main kindling of the menorah was in the evening, nighttime. It wasn't done in the evening, it was done in the afternoon, before the sun set, but it was meant to burn the whole night until the morning. It didn't have to burn during the daytime, it had to burn during the nighttime. The Pasik says specifically, Me'erev ad boker from evening until the morning. According to the Maimonides, Rambam, the Kohen would relight the menorah in the morning as well. That's, but that's his own individual opinion. It was lit at night. In the morning when they would, uh, he would come and he would uh, light the menorah again in the morning. Uh, but that's again a chiddush of the Rambam, novelty, but most opinions, it was only lit during the night. So what we find over here is we have two verses. In the first verse it says, Ner Tamid. You know, in shuls, a lot of shuls, we have a Ner Tamid, like we have over here. A, a, a flickering lamp that's always burning. Ner Tamid means always burn. So how do we make, how do we, how do we reconcile these two verses? In one place it says, Ner Tamid. In the other place it says, Me'erev Ad Boker, from morning until evening. I'm sorry, from evening till morning. That means that during the daytime, no. So it's not constant. A question it is, so the answer to that is, and Rashi already points that out, that when you're saying constant, constant doesn't have to mean 24-7. Something that you do every day, if you go to the gym every day and you exercise, and this is part of your routine, and you do it every day, you can say, I constantly work out. Doesn't mean that you're always on, on the, 
treadmill, 24-7. I always work out means if you do it every day, you can say always. So when it says ner tamid, it's good enough if it's if it's an activity that's done all the time. That's on the uh, that is on the simple level. But of course, we want to go a little deeper over here. We want to understand this and appreciate this in greater depth. And in connection to what I mentioned earlier. The first pasuk, it's talking about bringing the oil to Moshe. When it speaks about bringing the oil to Moshe Rabbeinu, it says to light a constant lamp. Lahalois ne'er tamid, to light a constant lamp. However, when it's talking about bringing the Aaron HaKohen lighting the menorah, it says me'erev ad boker, from evening till morning. So we need to understand the, dis- the difference, the discrepancy or the, the difference. Now, that t- Moshe's menorah burns all the time. Ne'er tamid. Aaron's menorah burns from the evening till the morning. Even though it's one menorah. So number one, the question, so to review the two questions. First of all, Moshe has no business with the menorah. He's not lighting it. So why are we bringing the oil to Moshe? They should take the oil to Aaron. Secondly, for whatever reason, when it speaks about bringing the oil to Moshe for the menorah, it says, Ne'er Tamid, a constant lamp. When it speaks about Aaron lighting the menorah in the literal sense, it's not Tamid, it's every evening which even though Rashi says is also considered Tamid, but it's not really, really, really Tamid. Tamid means all the time. It's just, we can get away with it by calling it Tamid. It's not really Tamid. As the Pasuk itself says, Me'erev ad boker from evening till morning. So to understand this, the difference, which is tremendous, and we will understand and, and take away or or or... Or, or undress this verse from its literal meaning of lighting the menorah and seeing that we're talking about something far, far, far of greater significance. Much more than kindling the menorah in the Beis HaMingdash. It's a much deeper meaning. And well, this will appreciate the quality of Moshe Rabbeinu, and as mentioned earlier tonight, being his yard site, we understand the role of Moshe. And as we've discussed, and I highly recommend anybody that didn't listen to that class, to listen to that class, it's always a good class. Parsha Shemos this year called Moshe, our Moshe. We spoke about the role of a tzaddik and the role of a rebbe. And that the, the Zohar says that Moshe, Moshe's neshama expands into all the generations. And that it, there has to be, in every generation there has to be someone like Moshe. The Medrash also says that there's ein dor she'en boke Moshe. There isn't a generation that doesn't have a leader like Moshe Rabbeinu. So we need to have a Moshe, a leader. And if I remember then, I quoted to you from the Zohar, that even though Moshe comes in every generation, he specifically returns and incarnated in a body in the last generation before Mashiach comes. It's particularly Moshe Rabbeinu here in the world. So therefore we need to understand and appreciate what is the quality of Moshe Rabbeinu how does he impact our souls? What does he do for the Jewish people? 
as we're going to see. So in order to understand this, and in order to appreciate this, and in order to really, really get it, we first are going to examine something else. And that is, the Torah portions that we're reading now are all one subject. Begins last week, and it's going to continue on, in a sense, for the next five weeks. What are the Torah portions that we're reading? Maybe even, yeah, depend, you know, this year, maybe for seven weeks. And let me explain. From Parshas Truma begins the subject of making a home for God, the subject of the temple, subject of the Mishkan. It begins in Parshas Truma. Now, the novelty of it is unbelievable. We're actually making a home for God in this world. When we learn Hasidus, we find out that the reason why the Torah spends so many verses, which I told you already many times, real estate is very expensive in the Chumash. So the fact that the Torah spends so many verses on the tabernacle, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the Mishkan, is because this is the ultimate purpose of all of creation. The whole ultimate purpose of existence is realized over here. What's the purpose of creation? God wants to have a home in this world. And here is where He finally gets it. Hashem finally receives a little bit of nachas for what He created the cosmos for. It's for that little, little structure, that little mobile home. Imagine that. Imagine the, think about, think about the enormity of planet Earth. Think about the enormity of the galaxy, the enormity of the universe, of our solar system, and then the galaxies, and then the universe. It's spectacular. It's, imp- it's impossible in a person's mind to fathom it. And that's just the physical creation. And we know that the physical creation is just a tiny, tiny, tiny little fragment of a crumb of a crumb of a crumb of the spiritual universes that there are. It goes on and on. Once a person studies a little Kabbalah, we learn the enormity of creation is unbelievable. Yet what does God have in this world? What's His pleasure? That one little mobile home. And then eventually, a little home on a hilltop in Jerusalem. That's Hashem's pleasure in creation. That He can come down and live in this physical earth with us. Eventually from there it spreads into every Jewish heart. And from our Jewish heart, it will eventually spread to the entire world. That God will come and reside in all of creation. But it's primarily in the Mishkan. That's the purpose of creation. Hashem wanted to have a dwelling place in the world. And by the way, that's, that's the reason why the making of the Mishkan follows immediately the giving of the Torah. Parshas Yisro is the giving of the Torah, the greatest, most monumental event. And Hashem comes down on the mountain and speaks to a nation directly to human beings. Imagine that. People that spoke and heard God directly saw Hashem as much as you can see the fire, the flaming fires, and heard Hashem speak to them. Unbelievable. The Maimad Har Sinai, something that we can never forget. And we're warned in the Torah we should never forget. 
And it's etched in our soul memory, even though physically we don't remember it. But in our soul memory, it is etched that incredible event that God came down and encounter with God. That God came and spoke to us directly. But what was the whole per- And immediately after that, what do we do? We have Pashas Mishpatim, which is just a continuation of some laws. And then eventually, and immediately we go to building the Mishkan. The building of the Mishkan, why? Because the Medrash tells us, and we spoke about this many times, that when God created the world, there was a great barrier that separated between the physical and the spiritual. There was a great wall. There was a great barrier that separated between the spiritual and the physical. And you couldn't cross that barrier. That means that the physical was created in a way that it must remain ignorant and unenlightened and uninformed of Hashem. And that the awareness of God is only when you transcend that barrier and you go into the higher realms, which of course the easiest way to do would be a soul when souls go up there in heaven. But to be a, to be connected and experience Hashem in your body, unless you're a big tzaddik who's able to do a is able to do an outer body experience, but in the body, from within the earth, uh, very difficult. Now, since the soul is spiritual, so spiritually an ashama can connect to God in the spirit by being a resident of a higher existence, even while the neshama is in the body, to a certain extent the soul can rise to a higher awareness, to a higher consciousness. But here we're talking about something else completely. The ability to connect to God through a physical action. The ability to take a physical item and make that godly. To take a physical object and, 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 and reveal and draw Hashem into the physical object. Make the object a holy object. That was impossible. The giving of the Torah was when God broke that barrier. And once he broke the barrier, what's the next job immediately? What do we do? We do exactly that. We bring heaven down to earth. We bring the spiritual down to manifest in the physical. Much deeper than that. It's not just that we bring the spiritual to manifest in the physical. We bring the divine. And not only the divine, but we bring God himself down to, to reside and to live in the phys- on physical earth. That's why, and that's why there's nothing greater than, the, than this project of building a Mishkan. But yet we find that the project of milk, building a Mishkan spans, as we said earlier, a couple of parashios. Which are they? Truma, which, which is last week's Torah portion. Tetzava, which is this week's Torah portion. Which I discussed earlier, what Truma is mainly the outer structure and the, and the, and the utensils and the various different uh, kalim. And then Tetzave is the, the priestly garments, the, the unique Mizbeach, the Mizbeach Azov, the gold Mizbeach for the Ketores. Parshas Kisisa, next week's Torah portion, is going to talk about making the special anointing oil that made everything holy. You need that special anointing oil that Moshe used to make the Mishkan holy. Also the making of the Ketores, which is the spices that they offered every day. And the wash basin. Kior. And the special, the first thing I mentioned, I forgot that. The first thing that's mentioned in the Parshas Kisisa 
is a special appeal of a certain donation that was obligatory. Mishkan was voluntary. Everybody can give whatever they want. There was a great appeal last week, Parshas Truma, and everybody can bring gold, silver, copper, whatever they like. I mean, 13 particular items, but, but uh, there was no mandatory giving. But there was one mandatory donation that every Jew has to give, and that's that machtes shekel, a half a coin, I mean, a whole coin worth a, a half of shekel. And that was what they gave. Okay, and that's Parshas Kisisa. Then you have another, so that's already a third parsha dealing with the Mishkan. Vayakel Pekude is Moshe Rabbeinu gathering the Jewish people and instructing them on doing the Mishkan and that the Jewish people actually go ahead and start bringing the donations and the work of building the Mishkan starts. Pekude is that we actually get it done and we do an accounting on everything that got done and that God finally comes down to reside in the Mishkan. So the whole latter half of Sefer Shemos is all about that one project of making a Mishkan for God. But it's not over yet. Sefer Vayikra starts with Moshe, the Mishkan is so powerful. God actually comes down to live in the Mishkan, but it's so powerful that no one can enter. God is there, but everybody's on the outside. And that's not the purpose. The purpose is that Hashem wants to live with us in intimacy. Hashem wants to live with us in closeness. So if He is there, He wants us to be there as well. And So how are we going to do that? In stages. The first one to enter is going to be Moshe Rabbeinu. And God has to give him a special empowerment. Vayikra Moshe. The cloud of God, which represents the Anon. The Anon represents the Or in Sof. Cloud meaning that which is incomprehensible. The presence of God that no being, no, for sure not a human being, but no celestial being, no angel, no nobody in the world is, would, would even, it's not, it's impossible, it's unthinkable to be able to walk in there into that revelation and not become completely shredded in God's infinite presence in His infinite light. Yet, that's why Hashem has to call Moshe. And he invites him in as a physical human being. Moshe Rabbeinu enters into that Mishkan and God speaks to him in the Mishkan. He communicates with him, which means Moshe Rabbeinu is able to receive that unbelievable revelation. And once Moshe enters, he invites his brother and his sons, the Kohanim in, and they begin doing the Avodah in the Mishkan on behalf of the Jewish people. And eventually Jewish comes also into the, into the Mishkan to offer their sacrifices. And we basically bring this harmony and this union between God Almighty Himself and all of Israel and all of the Jewish people. So again, the part, this whole story of this home and this fusion of Hashem and us, of heaven and earth, is at least seven parashiyos. Probably till Shmini, even more. Truma, Tetzave, Kisisa, Vayakel, Pekude, Vayikra, Tzav, and Shmini, which talks about the conclusion of the inauguration and the Avoda and making it all happen. So you have eight Torah portions devoted to this. We have to say that in each Torah portion, there is some kind of a chiddush, there is some kind of a novelty. If one story is divided over seven, eight Torah portions, we have to say that in each parsha there is some kind of a, there's another, another aspect or another facet of this general idea of the fusion of heaven and earth. 
it reveals itself or it manifests itself in stages. And each parsha is another stage in that fusion. So that's what I would like to do today and discuss what is, the, what is added. Now obviously we're not going to do all eight. We're not going to do seven. We're not going to do six. We're not going to do five. We're not going to do four. Maybe three, but probably only two. At least let's try to figure out the difference between last week's parsha. Parsha's Vayikra, I'm sorry, Parsha's Truma, and this week's Parsha, Parsha's Tetzah. In this fusion of Hashem and the world. So the secret of what our Parsha, Parsha's Tetzah, adds, I mean, in the story I told you what, what, what it adds. There's some leftover stuff that we're not done in Truma. The priests don't have yet their garments. We don't have yet any olive oil to light the menorah, so we need that. We also have a Mizbeach that was not made. So we understand that. But what's the core essential difference on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a fundamental? What's the, not just more details, but what's the fundamental addition that we get in Parshas Tetzaveh that we didn't have in Parshas Truma? And the idea is as follows. It's all hinted to in the first phrase of Parshas Tetzaveh. Parshas Tetzaveh opens up with Va'ata and you, referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, Tetzaveh, you should command... Es B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people. Now, which is a very unique phrase. You should command the Jewish people. We have, till now, many commandments. Parshas Truma is also a commandment. And even though the commandments are always through Moshe, Moshe is the one commanding the Jewish people on behalf of God, we don't find that the commandment is attributed to Moshe. It's attributed to God. God is commanding the Jewish people. Here Hashem tells Moshe, you should do it. You should be the one that does it. The other thing is, the word tetzaveh is very, very strong. How does it say in Parshas Truma? Daber el b'nei Yisrael. Speak to the Jewish people. Speak to the Jewish people. That phrase, Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe Lamar. God speaks to Moshe saying, Daber el b'nei Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people, repeats itself countless times, not countless, but many, many times in the Chumash. Almost every new commandment, a new instruction, comes with that phrase, Hashem speaks to Moshe, Daber el b'nei Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people. It's only in very few places where it uses the word tetzaveh command, but a phrase like this, and you should command the Jewish people, only happens here in Parshas Tetzaveh and a few times in Parshas Tetzaveh. Right over here when he talks about the Va'ata Tetzaveh and then later Va'ata Hakrev. No, right in the beginning of Tetzaveh. There must be something very unique. What is the significance? Moshe, you should command the Jewish people. And the idea is as follows. Which in this, if we analyze, we appreciate this, we get to see first of all the vastness of Moshe Rabbeinu. What's this, why we need Moshe Rabbeinu? What function does Moshe Rabbeinu play in our connection to God? The Jewish people always have a leader. What's the function of the, the ultimate spiritual, essential, deep function of Moshe Rabbeinu? And why, how does he enhance our Yiddishkeit? And how does he really realize the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate purpose of all of creation and all of existence? comes about through Moshe Rabbeinu, through the tzaddik, through the one that bonds the Jewish people to God. 
So the answer to that is, Tetzaveh means commandment, but as we spoke many times, Tetzaveh like comes from the word mitzvah. Mitzvah means more than commandment. Mitzvah also means bonding. Every time we, a mitzvah is a medium of bonding. When we do a mitzvah, we bond with God. Creator and creation bond when the creator commands the creation to do something that itself is a bonding. Because the creator is taking interest in a creation. Asking for the creation to fulfill something for the creator. That's already a bonding. I'm making you significant and important. I didn't just create a gazillion creatures and you know, you know, you happen to be randomly one of them. No, 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 you over there with the yellow necktie, come over here. I'm calling you particularly. Right? Yankel, Moshe, I need something from you. That's already a connection. And when we actually do what God tells us to do, giving Him some kind of a satisfaction, that's the deepest bonding possible. So mitzvah means bonding. If we're saying, So the deep meaning of that is, You, Moshe, you should connect the Jewish people. It's a job of Moshe. Well, even though the Jewish people have already a connection to God inherently, Jews are Hashem's people. We are essentially connected to God. And we know that unlike the nations, the nations in the world also connect to God, but their connection to Hashem is through angels. There are mediums or mediators. Hashem set a system of angelic beings and every nation has its spiritual representative, its angel above, through which Hashem directs and influences that nation. So there is a mediator. We the Jewish people have no mediator between us and Hashem. If that's the case, what's the significance of we're saying Moshe Rabbeinu? You should connect. Every Jew has his or her own connection to Hashem. And the answer is as follows. What Moshe does is Moshe enables us. When I say Moshe, I mean Moshe Rabbeinu way back then, three and a half thousand years ago. And when I say Moshe, I mean continuing the Moshe that the Abishter blesses the Jewish people throughout history, that Tzadik Hador, the leader of the generation that the Abishter bestows to the Jewish people. That Tzadik, that great Rebbe, his, his, his contribution to the Jewish people is that he helps us realize our essential bond with God. We can connect to Hashem on many, many levels, but then there is what we call the essence of the Jew, which is connected to the essence of God. That essence, which is inherently one, because it is so essential, because it is of essence, it's non-experiential. Everything of essence is of essence. Essence is not revealed. What's revealed, which means experienced, is the, 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 the radiance, the outer, the, the giloy of something, the revelation of something. And that's not essence. 
So naturally, on our own, when we would connect to God, we would connect to Hashem through on, on a more on a more experiential level. What do I mean on an experiential level? Our intellect, our mind conceives the divine. We study, we learn, we appreciate the Abishta, we appreciate God intellectually. Emotionally, we're turned on by God. We're excited. We're, 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 we have passion, fervor, desire, yearning, a craving, a longing to cleave, to bond, to attach ourselves. Intellect, emotions are not your essence. That's not who, the, who you are at your core. These are powers you have in your soul. And just like in, in each and every one of us, the intellect and the emotions are not our essence, our core being, the soul, or we might say the naked soul, the, the core um, essential soul. The intellect and the emotions are powers of the soul. They also serve as a connector, not to God, but to godliness. Because when we say through your mind, you can study, you can learn. Avram Avinu looked up in, at, the, at the world, at the, at, at the sky, and he saw it, he was trying as a little boy, wondering who created this amazing creation. And his mind, logic and reason and thinking led him to the conclusion that there must be a God who created the world. An invisible God. He extrapolated it by negating the sun, the moon. First he thought it was them, and then he came to the conclusion it must be a God. So when Avraham Avinu gets to know God that way, is he knowing God's essence? No, he knows a force that's responsible for creation. The force of God that's responsible for creation is not God. It's merely, 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 merely a tiny little expression of God, but not God. And therefore, what's when our minds seek and connect, and no matter how high, Avram Avinu started when he was three years old. We can understand that when Avram Avinu was 175 years old, a day before he passed away, his appreciation, intellectual appreciation of God was like exponentially greater. But it's still knowing God through the mind is knowing a tiny little crumb of God, not Hashem, who Hashem truly is. Intellect will never take us to God Himself. The Zohar, the, the Zohar phrases it very strongly. The Zohar says, There is no thought that can grasp Him. So our thoughts can, our mind can grasp Him. So we can know something of Him, but not Him. And it follows that our emotional excitement, when we get love to Him, when we feel awe of God, these feelings, these emotions, are not to God Himself, because we don't, intellectually know the Eberster himself, so emotionally we're not reacting to him, we're reacting to what we experience, he pro- what we think he is, so on and so forth. So it's not like we're not connecting, we are connecting, but we're connecting to certain Tashem's attributes. Through our mind and through our emotions, 
we bond and we connect to, this, to Hashem's, Hashem's emotions and Hashem's... We're connecting. We're, we're in love with God's kindness. We're awed by God's might. But His might and His kindness are only attributes of Him. They don't, they don't, they're not Him. We as a Jew enjoy something much deeper. And that is, we have a little, 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 little spark. And that spark that's inside our soul is a spark that originally originates, if we can say, in the very quintessence of God. And on that level, we, we and Him are one. We're inseparable. And we can't explain it. We don't understand it. There's no definition to it. It just is. It only expresses itself, as we learn in Tanya, generally. It expresses itself. It's beyond something, it's beyond expression. It's not something you can feel. It just is. It does come to the, to the surface when something or is threatening our connection to God. When someone wants to pull us away, when someone wants to, God forbid, mess with, 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 with our identity as a Jew, it shakes us to our core. But other than that, it remains untapped, unknown, unexperienced. Because it's so deep, because it is so true, because it is so much who we are at our core, we don't feel... You know what a little example to that is? The, the desire to live. The love of life. We, every single one of us has it. It's an essential desire. We want to live. But we don't consciously feel it. We're more consciously aware of a desire for a pretzel or, or, a, uh, or a coffee, yeah, or chocolate, or whatever like that, than our desire to be alive. Why? Because it's too essential. When our life is being threatened, when there's, God forbid, something that might, might this, then we feel that we want to live. But otherwise, we don't feel it because it's too constant and too essential, too much. Here is where Moshe Rabbeinu plays a role. Moshe Rabbeinu is the point, the neshama koleles. He is that general soul. He is nothing other than us. He is, he is the deepest point. His neshama is the deepest point of connection where every Jew connects to God. You can't even say that he is there because if, it, if he would be there, if it would be him, he would be a mediator. An intermediate. He, he's not an intermediary. He is the Jewish soul in its purest essential state of total oneness with God. And therefore, He is our essence. And when He is consciously alive in a body, and here in the physical world, He puts us in touch with that, what we call pintalayid, and He keeps that essential godliness of our soul Alive, and if we might say alert, in a state of, in a state of awareness, in a state of presence, as a state which in otherwise it would like fade away into subconscious. 
he, he, he stimulates it. He triggers it. In the same way that we said it gets triggered through negativity. When someone, God, tells a Jew that you can't be a Jew and wants to force a Jew away from his Judaism or that he should deny God or whatever it is, it provokes. Moshe provokes our pintaliyid. Moshe helps us realize that I am a Jew. And I am a Jew and I can't be separated from God. Like the Alter Rebbe said. The Alter Rebbe was the Moshe Rabbeinu in his generation. Successor of the Bolshemto. What did the Alter Rebbe say? Ayid a Jew nishtervil and nishter ken zayn upgerissen fenelikus. Ayid, he doesn't want to and he's not able to be, be severed from God, be disconnected from Hashem. But that comes from the Tzadik Hadar. When the Moshe Rabbeinu is not in the Chas and that's why the world can't be without a Moshe. Take Moshe Rabbeinu out and we can have inspired Judaism. We can have understanding, inspiration, and so on and so forth. But this essential connection would be untapped. That's the idea. It's there, but it would be untapped. So for instance, you see in our generation, thousands of Jews, millions of Jews if we can say, we're not practicing Judaism in their day-to-day life. Haven't gotten a Jewish education. Haven't been taught. Haven't developed their 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 the 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 the, the, the emotions and the intelligence that comes when you study Torah. When you study Torah, you get a Jewish mind, a holy Jewish mind. You get a, a Jewish psyche, a Jewish developed self. And you have millions of Jews who don't have that. So to the Jewish people, those that are, were fortunate, it's not, not too much that they did on their own, but they were fortunate to be born to homes and to places, and to, in homes where they got the proper Jewish education. And were developed and we're taken care of, and we're educated, and therefore they're observant of Torah and mitzvahs. But to those Jews, all the, all the Jews that have not been observant, and not been fortunate to keep mitzvahs, and so on and so forth, you know, what's their Jewishness? So without a Moshe Rabbeinu, we would write all these people off as not part of the Jewish experience. Because what's their Jewishness? Doesn't wear a yarmulke. Eats non-kosher. Doesn't keep Shabbos. Is not doing anything Jewish. So what's his Jewishness? Maybe because he writes a check to Israel. Maybe not even that. So what's the Jewishness? Comes Moshe Rabbeinu in our generation. And that's the tzaddik of the generation. And says, no way. Every Jew is a Jew. And every Jew cares about Judaism. And every Jew cares about Judaism so much that he's willing to give his or her life for their Jewishness. And we can provoke it. We can awaken it. You want to see? Go outside to the Jewish people. And it's an amazing phenomenon that has not been, it's unbelievable. The first one that had that idea. The Lubavitcher Rebbe had that idea. 
send out hundreds of boys with tefillin. The weirdest, strangest, most, I'm not saying, seemingly ridiculous mitzvah that there is. To take leather straps, and it's embarrassing too, to wrap yourself like on your arms and on your head. It's weird, you look like a lunatic doing that in public. And yet, the Rebbe said, go out, meet Jews, and ask them to put on tefillin. Ask them the secret words. Say, are you Jewish? And, 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 and then you've put the person in the dilemma. Some of them will say, first of all, thousands of them, hundreds of thousands. I would say probably millions already, probably throughout in the last 50 years, rolled up their sleeve and put on tefillin. This is happening since the 60s, every single Friday, but not only Friday, where hundreds of boys, are, the encounters are in by the Kotel all the time, everywhere across the world, in Chabad houses, people are putting on tefillin on the streets, everywhere, encounters are happening everywhere across the world. So the word, are you Jewish? And suddenly the guy says, I'm Jewish, right? And if I'm Jewish, then you put on tefillin. So suddenly, what happened? It's not that the person now had an intellectual realization in the greatness of Hashem. As a person now experiencing an emotion and a feeling, nothing. It's just that I'm a Jew. This is who I have, my identity. If you're a Jew, you put on tefillin. And even if the person says no, meaning I'm Jewish but I don't do that, you've, 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 you've made, you've made, you've shooken this person's Jewishness up. They're walking away probably thinking more about the tefillin than the person who put the tefillin on. They're so aware that they're Jewish. Maybe they're so upset because they're saying, I don't have to do that to be Jewish. I know I'm Jewish. That too is an expression of their Jewishness. This is who I am. I am a Jew. Don't tell me I can't be a Jew unless I put on tefillin. But there too, you've, you've uncovered. But it takes Moshe Rabbeinu it, it's not like the Rebbe is a brilliant, was, a, it was a brilliant man and he came up with a good idea. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's an neshama thing. The Jewish people react to it because Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama is at the core, core, core essence of that bond between God and the Jewish people. And that essential essence is triggered and revealed dafke through Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama. Va'ato You Moshe! should command. You should bond the Jewish people to me. You mo- your essence, doesn't, that's why it's interesting, it doesn't say Moshe Rabbeinu's name, because Moshe Rabbeinu has many other features. The big tzaddik, Moshe Rabbeinu, the rabbi, the leader of the Jewish people, has tremendous intelligence, tremendous knowledge. He has many students who study his teachings all day long. Moshe Rabbeinu has a lot to give us of his what? Of his mind. If you watched Moshe Rabbeinu Davin, you'd be inspired emotionally to love God, to fear God. You can learn from Moshe's Yerashamayim. You can learn from Moshe Rabbeinu's love to Hashem. But that's all external. Compared to what? To this essence. Moshe Rabbeinu's essence. In his neshama resides the essence of God, and which is the core nekuda pnimis of every single Jew. So there's almost what we like to say, two, two aspects to Moshe. There is Moshe as a human being Moshe, 
with a personality and a teacher. And in that aspect, some learn more, some learn less. Some are inspired more. There are greater Talmidim, greater students, greater Hasidim, and less. But then there is something infinitely deeper and higher in Moshe. And that relates to, he's the Rebbe, Rabbeinu of every single Jew. Because he touches the very, very core essence of every Jew. And in that place, all Jews are equally Jewish. In that point, because that, over there, Hashem himself, his essence is indivisible. And we, the Jewish people, are one with God's essence. That's indivisible. It's not, you can't say more or less. Every Jew has it. And the tzaddik, the leader of the generation, as the Zohar says, the Moshe that comes through is Pashtusa the Moshe, Bechol Dara Vidara. The Jewish people need to have that Moshe. And as I told you, particularly the last generation, right before Mashiach comes, is specifically imbued with an extra presence of Moshe Rabbeinu in the generation. And he stimulates, awakens, and brings to the, to the forefront the Moshe, that, 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 that inseparable identity where the Jew is one with Hashem. And it's inseparable from God. That's the difference between Parshas Teruma and Parshas Tetzavah. Let me see why. In Parshas Truma, what's happening in Parshas Truma? Parshas Truma, we are taking a physical... It's, it's the first Parsha after the breakthrough. So, till then there is a barrier. God, spiritual and physical are separated. Comes Matan Torah, the Ebershter breaks that barrier and allows for the heavens, the heavenly truths and the heavenly realities and the godly realities to descend down into this world. But on what level? Not the essence of God, but rather the personality and the, the personality, the godly, the godly uh, attributes, the beauty of Hashem, the grandeur of God, the, all, the, all, the, all the expressions of the Eberster find expression down here on earth. How is that? When you're building a mishkan, what are you doing? Here you're making an aron. And the aron is a seat for the Torah. So it's a seat for what? For God's intelligence. Then you're making a menorah. And what's the menorah? The menorah represents the illumination, the light. The light, the aron is more the essential Torah. The menorah is more the illuminating Torah. And then the mizbeach, Represents the bonding with God through the fiery love of the Jewish neshama. That's why the mizbeach is you're offering karbonos, the fire, and so on and so forth. Every aspect of the mishkan, we know that the, the whole point of the mishkan is God instructed Moshe Rabbeinu how we can build a structure that reflects the spiritual godly realm. So everything in the mishkan has its spiritual counterpart. But it's not just that the Mishkan is down here, is representing some kind of a spiritual source up there. What's happening is that the physical creatures down here are being, are being channeled to their spiritual source. And they're downloading their spiritual source. So there is, like a, there is suddenly a, 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 uh, a connection between the two. Otherwise, our world is completely physical. It's earthy, it's mundane, there's nothing godly.
So when you move a physical vessel, it's not necessarily stimulating anything spiritual above. But in the Mishkan, every, when you lit the menorah, you are kindling the cosmic lights. Why? Because the two of them are, are aligned, they're connected. But what aspect? It's the aspects of godliness, not the very essence of Hashem. It's all the, it's all the divine perks. All the divine perks are being connected to, to the physical, to their physical counterpart. And that's why, how is it commanded, Parshas Truma? Parshas Truma is commanded with, Vaidaber Hashem al Moshe. First of all, when we're speaking about Moshe, we're speaking about Moshe's name. We're not speaking to Moshe's essence. Moshe, Moshe as he's already an expressed being with certain personality that makes him Moshe. That's Moshe. Vaidaber Hashem al Moshe, that Abishta speaks to Moshe. And he tells him to make a Mishkan. And, and that's the idea of a Mishkan. The, the Almatata, the lower world, corresponds to Almeilah, corresponds to the supernal, to the higher world. But then comes Parshas Tetzaveh, we're making, we're talking about increasing Dira Betachtonim, the home of God in this world. So the world, it's not enough that our world, the physical world, is aligned and, and matches up with the divine qualities the physical world needs to become a home for Hashem Himself, not for His qualities. For that to happen, Hashem first has to find the nest where? In the Jewish neshama, in the Jewish people that are here in this world. Not in the qualities of the Jewish soul, but in the essence of the Jewish soul. And that's the difference. Parshas Truma, every, by the way, you should know that every keli in the Mishkan has its correspondence in the human experience. So you can study in Hasidus, it's not, the, it's not the class for tonight, what it means when you study Torah, you're in Aron. When you're davening, you're in Menorah. And different, when you're eating, it's like the Mizbeach. Each part is, is, if you're eating like a holy person, in each place you're connecting to, all these things correspond to human experiences, which are, in the sense, in the context of Mishkan, when you're doing them in a holy, godly way, it's godly, it's not human. The Chiddush of Prashas Truma is that your, our, even our physical actions can align with, with their spiritual meaning and their spiritual source above, all the way to Hashem. But again, it's only attributes. But when it comes to Parshas Tetzaveh, the Ebrishta says, okay, now it's beyond attributes. Now I want to reside in you. Me, not my qualities, but me, myself, in you. In order for that to happen, who, who, who's, called, who's called upon? We need Moshe. Va'ata, you, the essence of Moshe, not Moshe Rabbeinu's name. The essence of the deepest soul of the Jewish people. The one who touches the essence of every Jew. You should command the Jewish people, awaken them, bring forth their essence, bond that essence to me. I mean, I'm not saying Moshe doesn't achieve the bonding. The bonding is there. In essence, Moshe uncovers it. He reveals it. He actualizes it. That we should become aware of this 
essential connection. It's much deeper than my intellect and my emotions. I'm Jewish not because I appreciate it intellectually, not because it makes sense to me, it fits my rational thinking. It's the best way to live or whatever. It's the convictions of my mind. I'm Jewish because this is who I am at my core. I know that my connection to Hashem is of such is 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 is, is absolute. It cannot be any other way. That's the bond of essence. That is Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a whole new dimension. The reason why it's a whole new dimension, number one, it's, it's, it's introducing something infinitely higher. Infinite is not even the right word. Because when you're dealing with God's essence, it's infinite is not even the word. It's beyond finite and it's beyond infinite equally. It's just the Eberster's essence. So number one, we're going, let's just say, endlessly deeper. We're bringing in the Eberster himself. Number two, we're also going much, much, much lower. Which means when we're bringing Hashem down, what's the point of making Hashem a home? We say we want to make for God a dira b'tachtonim. A home, a home in the low. So in Parshas Tetzave, we're increasing two things. We're increasing the home and we're increasing the low. How are we increasing the home? Because in a home, what happens when a person... In a home is not a place where your, where your faculties live. In your office, your faculties live. When I say your faculties, I mean your qualities. An office is meant... If you design your office correctly, you're not supposed to live in your office. You're supposed to go work in your office. A well-designed office is going to help bring out your best qualities. So you're going to design it. It should be a clean desk and it should be, everything should be set up in a way that it should help induce your, 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 your mind, your, your, your strength, your qualities, your talents. That's your office. It, it brings, if, if you can design your office the way you should, you should design it in a way that it will develop you, it will bring out, it will help facilitate your, your, that's what you have in your office, things that you need in terms of your quality. In your office you have a computer, in your house you have a bed, you have a place, uh, uh, you have your, a place that will hold you, the very you, not things about you. And that's the idea of a home. A home is where you are. In that sense, Parshas Teruma is a great introduction. God can come and, and find his professional self very, very well, um, very well, uh, 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 received in the Mishkan. He has everything he needs to operate as a professional God. But it's not yet a home. For it to be a home is va'ata tetzave. Parshas tetzave, we're introducing va'ata, the very, very essence of the Eberster himself. And here's the beauty of it. When we're dealing with the essence of God, which connects to the essence of the Jew, which is beyond all expression, it also goes much lower. And what do I mean much lower? You see, to be, to, be, to be attached to Hashem's traits, to the divine attributes, you have to be in a state of certain refinement. 
only when you have a refined mind can you connect your mind to God's mind. Only when you have a refined heart can you find within your heart love of Hashem. If your heart is not refined, if you say in, in, in old, good old time Yiddish, if a person realizes they are agrabe young, agrabe young, don't try it, it doesn't work well in Persian. But in English, in Yiddish, there's an expression, agrabe young. Agrabe young means a coarse peasant. If you find that you have a very thick and coarse heart that has an excitement for Cholent and Kugel, but not necessarily for Nishmas and for... Uh, uh, you know, some other, 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 other elevated thing, it doesn't speak to you. So then you can't connect. Your connection is dependent on refinement. So you have to be in a certain state of purification, a certain state of, 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 of this, to be able to be, to be the Pasha's Truma Mishkan, you need to have a certain elevated state. Not every Jew qualifies. Only a, a pure mind can serve as an arain. Only a pure heart can be a menorah and so on. But when it comes to the very, very essence of a Jew, it doesn't make a difference. A Jew who's been disconnected from Judaism all his life, a Jew who's not practicing any mitzvahs, a Jew who had zero Jewish education, a Jew who grew up in the most un-Jewish environment and his mind and his heart is filled with every kind of garbage you can imagine isn't in any, any way less damaged in his essence. The essence remains intact, pure and holy. At the core of his being, he is inseparable from Hashem. And the reason why he can act in ways that are totally contradicted because he's not in touch with his essence. But his or her essence is totally one with God. And that's why we find that you meet Jews who just maybe did the biggest sin. That maybe the Torah says the worst thing. You're meeting a Jew walking, parading around with his non-Jewish girlfriend or wife or whatever, and they're not Jewish, and it's a big sin to be married to a non-Jew. And yet, you ask that Jew, are you Jewish? And he says, yes. Would you like to put on tefillin? Or, let's put on tefillin. And he rolls his sleeve and he does it, because no matter how many sins he does, he or her might do, it does not disconnect their essence. Comes out, that the home of Hash- with Hashem, that, that occurs and that happens, when it's essence to essence, which is the novelty of Parshas Tetzaveh over Parshas Teruma, the chidush of Parshas Tetzaveh over Parshas Teruma, is that it can, it, you can make that happen with every Jew. No limits. And again, who is the one who can facilitate that? Who is the one who brings that out? That is Moshe Rabbeinu. And now we'll understand, amazingly, the diyukim the, the that we asked before. We asked earlier when it came to lighting the menorah, it says that by Moshe Rabbeinu it says, Lahalois Neir Tamid, that you should, he should light a constant lamp. And by Aaron it says, Me'erev Ad Boker, from evening till morning. And now we'll understand perfectly why by Aaron it says, by evening by Moshe it's constant. You see, the Pintala Jew, this Pintala Yid, this little, this, this point of essence of Jew which connects is not human. It's not part of your human experience. It's not worldly. 
It's, it's, the, it's the point within you that's God. And as Hasidus explains, it's, a, it's not a little crumb of God. Because in the crumb of the essence lies the entire essence. So it's the entire Abish there. And just like we understand by God, Ani Hashem Loishanisi, that God doesn't change. So too, this Pintalayid, this essence of a Jew, can never change. Nothing in the world can tarnish it, can change it. It's not under the impact of time. It doesn't age, it doesn't change, it doesn't wear and tear. It remains exactly as it is because it's beyond the whole. The whole, the whole experience of time. Time is a creation. It's outside of time, just like God is outside of time. And that's why that near, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu, who awakens, stimulates, brings out that nekuda, that deepest point of the Jewish neshama, his nair, his flame, which is the flame of the neshama, tamid is all the time. Then we have. Aaron, the high priest. What's the job of the high priest? He works on a much more, he's operating on a much more down-to-earth level. Aaron is operating in the realm of our humanity, in the realm of our human powers. Aaron is there to help us ignite our menorah. Our menorah, it's our neshama. But the parts of our neshama that become, that become part of creation and therefore are operating and impacted and part of time, time and space. And therefore when Aaron stimulates, it's, it's from evening till the night, till the morning. And what does that mean in the evening till the night? It changes. Evening means that in the beginning of your avoda, when you're starting to learn, when Aaron Akoin, who Aaron is the teacher, teaches you something, inspires you, gives you some holy Jewish knowledge, holy godly knowledge, and he gets a little fire burning in your soul. In the beginning, it's only a small little fire. That's why it's called Erev. It's evening. There's still a lot of darkness in a person's soul. Mostly I experience the pleasures, the excitements, the awareness of Olam Azel, this world, but I have within me a little fire for God. Oh, Aaron will continue stimulating it. Aaron Hakohen, the tzaddik, the teacher, will continue fanning the flames of the soul. And from Erev, it will become eventually, it will become daylight. It will become boker, it will become day. You will be filled with knowledge, filled with holiness, filled with longing for God. That's also coming from a tzaddik. But not the essence of the tzaddik, or maybe not the same tzaddik. It's coming from a different teacher. There are many teachers in the world. There's only one Moshe Rabbeinu. There's many tzaddikim. Many people that you go, you go to them, they teach you, they educate. But there's only one Moshe. That's the idea. What's the Moshe? The Moshe is the point of essence. The point that's non-changing. The point that's all the time. And we need to have both these in our lives. We need to have our pilot, you know, in an oven. If you turn down the oven... Sometimes the oven is on, sometimes the oven is off. Turn it up, turn it down. So they used to, I don't know if today, today's oven is still like that. Maybe you know. But then there was the pilot. The pilot is always burning. There's always a fire there. There has to be a constant fire. In other words, in practical life, this means like this. What's, 
Okay, I understand for the non-religious Jew, the Jew that's wandering, no one can help him. Inspiration is not going to help him. Only the power of the Nasi Hador, the power of the leader of the generation whose essence is one with the essence of God. And his neshama touches every Jew in the essence. So that guy needs Moshe Rabbeinu. So that when, he, when you tell him, are you Jewish? He should respond either and, and say, yeah, I'm Jewish and I want to do a mitzvah. Or should be upset as we said earlier. That, but whatever it is, he, that alertness, that, that, that essential, I understand. But, uh, but, but what we might say, an observant yid like me, I learn, I daven, I have knowledge, Torah knowledge, I have inspiration. Why do I need Moshe? The answer is, if you're only operating from the human side of your, of your consciousness, of your being, from your humanity, from your nefesh as it is, as it is present in, in time and space, then we all know we have ups and downs and ups and downs. We have Erev and we have Boker, we have evening and we have morning. And sometimes we take a slip and a fall and we're Gaputo and it takes us three weeks until we get up again. And then again we're up and down and up and down in fluctuations. It's all nice and it's all good. But you can't live your life choppy and disconnected from God at certain intervals. That there are periods of time where God is absent in your life. No matter how powerful your mind is, there are going to be times that you're going to get confusion. Times that, and every person according to their level. Times that the Abishter is not bright, that your intellect is not shining clearly. Times that you have questions. Something tragic happened, something difficult happened in a person's life. It throws you on a spin, it throws you off. And you're lost. You don't have the Aranakoin's light shining in you is not there. So what do you rely on? What's always holding you? You can never fall. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. Because there is, a, there is within each and every one of us that point that is connected to God on a level that's not dependent on anything. It just is you and Hashem are one and therefore it's not possible a separation. But again, everybody has it but it's possible that it doesn't play any role in your experience and in your life because it's so deep and therefore so inexperienceable. Having a Rebbe, and the ultimate Rebbe, the Rebbe that's Moshe Rabbeinu, that you're connected to on a daily basis, doesn't let you fall into the abyss. Even if you have falls, it's not that you're not going to have spiritual, you're not going to have ups and downs in Yiddishkeit, but you're never going to check out. You're never going to check out completely. And the reason you're never going to check out completely because you have Lahalois Neir Tamid. Because that essential Moshe that Nekudas Ayahadus that, that is always in a state of of Esoiridus. It's always burning. It's always there because Moshe Rabbeinu keeps it alive. And that's the constant. In addition to that, now you will learn. Now you'll be inspired. That's already that's already what we call in Hasidus, we call it giluyim. That's in your level of revealed experiential experience. Yeah, over there we have, over there, we, over there we're under the influences of time, and we have our ups and we have our downs. But to be constant, and not to fall, and to have the Isfamosh Rabbeinu. And that's why tonight, as we celebrate Zayin Adar, it comes out in Parshas Tetzalah, 
Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site, the ultimate um, gratitude that we have for the Abishter for giving us Moshe Rabbeinu and giving us the leader in every generation that holds the Jewish people at their deepest point and holds not just the Jewish people as a whole, but keeps every single Jew Jewish and keeps every single Yid attached on that deepest, most core essential level. And that's the reason why, even though Aaron lights the menorah, we first have to bring the oil to Moshe. Which means the, the oil, which is the, the, what, what is going to burn in us, it has to pass through Moshe. Our Yiddishkeit needs, needs Moshe Rabbeinu. We have to sign up with Moshe so that we can be a Yid and not have chas v'sholem, any lapses in our life when things go dark, when things go difficult, when our, the light of our, of our, of our, our pneumius digekoiches are shut down for whatever reason. We don't go into total, into total shutdown. We don't, God forbid, disconnect. We're not, God forbid, severed and disconnected from our essence, but we are always alive at our core. May the Abishter help us already that we should merit to see and to have the building of the third base Amigdash in which we're all going to experience the connection to Hashem on all levels with the full and complete manifestation of, of the full of Asuli Migdash, make for me the base Amigdash, Vishachanti Besoicham, and the Abishtu will dwell inside of each and every one of us in the fullest measure of light and beauty, and may we see it now. Bleib mal schnell dabei, nie, weil ich mir nie wasche, mit dem Boy schau.